I'm Doreen, born in Mossside, Manchester, on the 2nd of February, 90 years Hello. young. Happy, <laughs> happy birthday to you. And of course, you know, well, we're recording this a couple of days before your birthday, but yes. your 90th birthday. How do you feel about turning 90? Well, it was, it was a birthday I never imagined I'd reach, you know, so I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. <laughs> do, do you feel like it's a milestone for you? It just feels like another birthday. You know, I'm um, not going to be able to celebrate very much this year because, of course, none of my children can be with me. And my granddaughter, Tamar, it may not be here because her husband is quite ill at the moment mm. and they, they're all having to be tested for the COVID um, illness. So it will depend on the result of those tests, which they will get today, actually, mm. and whether she will be able to c come and see me on Tuesday. Well, it's a good thing you've got an iPad and FaceTime. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is, yes. And obviously my neighbour will pop in and Alison, who is my um, Mary Poppins, who looks after me, she will she will be coming in to see me. So, um I won't be alone. Of course not. And um, yesterday, my niece called to see me. Adrian brought me the most beautiful display of flowers, really gorgeous. She stayed for two and a half hours and we we uh, had a really good chat and had a few laughs. Beautiful. <laughs> so That's, that was nice. Yeah, that mm. would have been really nice. It we, was. You've got a fan in listening from Germany, uh, a lady called Lisa, and she's posted on the Facebook page a question. She starts by saying, uh, listening from Germany and loving the podcasts. Um, question one, was the Mace grocery store on Beach Avenue? She says she went to St Kent's Primary School uh, at the end of the 60s, and she seems to remember a mace store around the corner. I think she might be referring to the shop that you had. But no, no, the one we had was on Leighton Old Road. And she, uh, obviously, she went to St. Kentigan's. Uh, I think she must be Catholic. She went to St. Kentigan's School, which was round the corner from the uh, grammar school that I went to. But... Um, no, the one we had was on Leighton Old Road. Right. What was it that called? That was just off... Sorry? What was the... Leighton, no. Leighton Old Road. It wasn't on Beach Avenue. Right. The school I went to was on Beach Avenue. Right. But the shop, what was your shop called? <clears throat> it was a mace, just called a mace store. Oh, okay. Right. Yes. 
What does that mean? Is that a brand of shop or like a type? Yes. Yes. It was a bit like Tesco now, you know. Oh, but in a, I see. They yes. had these small shops all over the place. Mm, right. We didn't, in those days, there were no, the only big store, food store really, was the co-op. Oh, you right. know, the cooperatives. Uh-uh. Well, she also goes on to say she's loving the singing and she wants to hear more of Neve singing. Good. Which is, uh, and I want to hear more of Neve. Yes. 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 Well, you will be on uh, Monday. Yes. Okay. So this bonus episode today is one I wanted to focus on neighbours. I've heard all these wonderful stories about the <laughs> weird and wonderful neighbours you've had over the journey. So I'm just wondering, uh, maybe you could start off by t- telling us about Mr. Little. John Little, yes. And he was little. He was a very small man. Um, But he was lovely. He was 90 years old when we went to live. Well, he was just coming up to 90 when we went to live in Kingsmere Avenue in St Anne's. And he he lived by himself. He he was a... um, His wife had died several years earlier. And he used to spend hours standing at the gate watching the children play because Kingsmere Avenue was a cul-de-sac. So it was very safe for all the children. There's several children there and they all seemed to play very happily together, you know. But he had a, a very interesting history. In the First World War, he was in prison and he was a safe cracker. And he he was serving a prison sentence. And when the First World War broke out, the government released him from prison because they wanted him to do a job for them. And he went over to Germany. I got all this news uh, bit by bit from him over the, the few years he was alive while we were there. It was verified by one of the neighbours that had looked after him for a long time. Uh, anyway, he he went over to Germany, I imagine, to crack a safe somewhere. Um, and um, he had to come back via Switzerland. And I still have a little book, a climber's book. Um, it was a map of the mountains, the mountain passes. And I still have that little book. Mm. Oh, really? Um, Yes, he was a fascinating character. But his wife, I think I think he called her he called her Bella. So what her the full name was, I don't know whether it was Isabel or whatever, but he called her Bella and he said she was very supportive of him and um when he when he retired um he got very bored, really bored and so he started to do shoplifting. <laughs> this is when he became, you know, a, a pensioner sort of thing. And um, she made him this coat. After he died, I helped this neighbour of his who who'd inherited his house and everything. I helped her to clear the house and clean it up and that. And there was this old coat hanging behind the door. And she said, oh, that's his poacher's coat. And his wife had made 
lots of little pockets inside the lining of this coat, you see. And he used to go to, to the corner shop. We had a, a very good uh, green grocer's, a large shop, sold all sorts of very nice fruit and that. And he used to go around there and steal peaches <laughs> and give the peaches to the children. And they'd come in, the sticky, sticky with peach juice, you know. And then I used to go over to the shop and I'd say, um, I, I think I owe you for a peach. <laughs> and and the man that owned the shop, he used to swear, and he'd say, "I knew I never took my eyes off the old bee." <laughs> and how did he manage that? I never took my eyes off him, you know. And he'd have two or three peaches in his pocket and give them to the children. <laughs> he couldn't resist it, you know. He just couldn't resist. And this is when he was almost ninety. So he used to, but he used to come home with all sorts, didn't he? Didn't he give presents yeah. and things out? Of well, things? well, uh, he 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 burnt himself rather badly, and it was decided he ought to go into this um, hospital at Wesham, which was for old people. And he 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 came to the door and he, he had a a big bag, and he said, uh, "I'm going into the hospital tomorrow. I have a feeling I won't be coming back." So I said, oh, don't say that. No, I'm sure you will. And he said, so what colour do you like best? And he, he, he said four colours. I think it was red, green, blue and black. I think that was it. And I said, oh, well, red sounds nice. So he brought out this twin set from this big bag, this red twin set. And it was a twin set was like a wool, plain wool jumper and then a short sleeve jumper and a cardigan to match. And we called them twin sets. And it was from Marks and Spencers. Now, it had these for years because by that time, Marks and Spencers were wrapping their things in plastic. And this was in cellophane, you know, paper. So I knew it had it for years. But the style was classic, so it didn't matter. So I said, thank you very much. Well, then I found out that he'd gone round the cul-de-sac with all these. <laughs> he must have had about half a dozen of these twin sets. And he must have had them for years in the drawer, you see. So one or two of the ladies said, we got to go and say, well, what, 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 what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I said, wear them. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go to the police. You can't go to Marks and Spencers and say, excuse me, we think these were stolen from you several years ago. <laughs> so he gave us a present before he went. And, of course, he did die shortly afterwards. Yeah. Mm. Wow. But he was a lovely man, a lovely man. Yes. And I used to go in and, and take scones. If I made scones, I made a few extra and took them in, you know, and we'd sit and have a chat. <laughs> He was lovely, John Little. So, so when he um, and apparently he had a, a special pension, um, which the neighbour told me was something to do with the government. It wasn't his social security pension, you know what we called the old age pension. He had a, another special pension, 
So they must have been paying it in for years because it was the First World War that he was involved in. Mm. Possibly he's um, yeah, <laughs> negotiated a bit of a deal for himself then. Probably. So did, yeah. he, did he go back to prison? No, in no, he never went back to prison. No. Wow. No. <laughs> but he, he couldn't he couldn't resist it. It was excitement. It was excitement, you see. Mm. <laughs> yes. So you've had some other interesting neighbours over the journey, haven't you? <laughs> We've had some rather unpleasant neighbours, I can tell you. Um, we moved, after we lived in Kingsmere, Kirsten was going to um, Arnold School, which used to be a grammar school and became a, a private school or public as we call them in England and um, so she passed the entrance exam for Arnold School so um, we decided that she should go you see this was a school her brother had gone to Mm. he'd left he left the year before and went into the Navy of course so uh, we decided we'd move a bit nearer to the school so we moved over to Blackpool and I don't think I'll tell you the address of this one because you never know, these people might still be living there. But the house was very nice and it was just a short walk to school for her. And we'd been there a short time, two or three months, or perhaps a bit more than that. And one night there was the most awful noise and it was just, well, we both woke up startled the, the, it sounded as though there was someone in the room with us shouting, this woman's voice shouting. And it was the neighbour next door. Now, shortly after we arrived there, her husband left her. She had two young children. And she was rather rough. She was a bit rough. And um, I didn't really have much to do with her. Well, I didn't really have the opportunity. I was out at work. And she'd she'd got she'd got the have you heard of CB radio? I suppose you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't. We at the time we knew nothing about CB radio. Well, she she she'd got this CB radio thing set up in her bedroom, and it could you would have thought it was in our bedroom. It was so loud, and she was calling these people up. I can't. I just can't remember what her what her call number was. But she was arranging for these, and they were truck drivers, most of them, and she was arranging for them to call and see her. Well, it, it, it was terrible, really, because these trucks would drive up in the middle of the night, you know, and visit her, and then after about half an hour or so, or an hour, they'd drive off again. And it was obvious what was happening next door. It was really awful. And then, and I used to have Thursday afternoon off in the summer because I had to work on Saturdays. And one Thursday, I was going to the hospital for an appointment and I couldn't get the car going. The battery was flat. And just as I'm wondering what to do, whether to, you know, call for a taxi, her, this woman's front door opened and she stood there in this shorty dressing gown and she was letting this man out. Well, I was 
absolutely amazed because I knew him. And his, he and his wife had holiday apartments. <laughs> and every, every Saturday, he used to come into the information bureau and tell me what vacancies he had. So, and his wife was a lovely woman. Well, I was absolutely horrified, you see. Anyway, he spotted me outside with the car. And I said, um, have you any jump leaves? <laughs> <laughs> and he went, um, uh, uh, yeah, yes, yes, I, I, yes. So he, and she stood there looking absolutely furious. So anyway, he got my car going. So that was it. But on the Saturday, that was the Thursday, on the Saturday, he came into the office and he said, could he speak to me privately? Um, and I knew what was coming, you know. So he said to me, um, I don't want you to misunderstand. And I said, I understand perfectly. So he said, you won't mention to my wife that you've seen me, will you? So I said, well, if I ever see you there again, I certainly will mention it to your wife. So the best thing you can do is stay away. And I didn't see him there again. <laughs> but it, it was pretty awful, you know. Mm. So uh, we were there. Uh, we were there a couple of years, and then we we moved back to St Anne's <laughs> for two years. Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I, it was really until Kirsten had. Uh, was older because it meant her getting two buses to go to school and uh, when she was younger I didn't want her to do that you know yeah mm. wow <laughs> so and then of course and then oh and then we moved back to St Anne's and a similar thing happened <laughs> and we moved to Ashley Road which was really only around the corner from where we'd lived in Kingsmere Avenue and the house next door, they were a very nice family. He was a builder and he, he really, you know, improved the property and that. It was very nice. Uh, he and his wife and two children. But they moved. He wanted to move to a, another house and, you know, renovate that. So they sold the house to this young man. Well, this young man's parents bought this house. And I won't tell you what they did, but they were very respectable and very well known in St. Anne's. And his father was a professional man. So they bought this house for their son, you see. Well, it was horrendous. He, um, he had a motorbike. And he used to, you could hear the, his telephone ring. And then shortly after the telephone rang, and this was all through the night as well, he'd get on his motorbike and go off on his motorbike. And a short time later, he'd come back on the motorbike. And this could happen perhaps sometimes two or three times in the night, you know. And during the day, of course, but during the day, mostly, we weren't there. So Kirsten, was, she had the room, the bedroom at the back, and it had a, a balcony, and a, a French window and a balcony. It was quite nice. Well, she went off to um, she went off to Dartmouth Naval College on a, one of the courses she was doing, and I had sciatica. 
and I couldn't move. So the doctor said, which is the hardest bed in the house, the firmest mattress? I said, well, it's Kirsten's. He said, right, well, we need to move you into there. You're going to have to stay in bed for at least a week. So, of course, I was in this bedroom and it was the middle of the summer. So John opened the French windows for me and that before he went to work. And I noticed there was a lot of coming and going going on, you see. Anyway, I mentioned this to Kirsten when she came home. And she went, oh, yes, yes, um, he's making films in the garage. And I went, what, what do you mean making films? And she said, well, there's this a blue... I said, there's a blue light, isn't there, in the garage? She said, yes, he's making films. And he, so one particular evening, I was looking through the French window. It was a very hot evening. And I saw this girl come out with just a towel around her. And it was his girlfriend, and she was an exotic dancer. <laughs> and he was making blue films with this, with this girl in the garage. And I thought, this is horrendous. We've gone from strength to strength with this with this lot, you know. <laughs> so how long had you been there before you realised? Well, I, I well, I, I, it, I didn't realise at first um, until oh, until one particular day, uh, I'd managed it. I was had got up. Kirsten had gone away for two weeks. You see, well, she'd gone skiing with Christopher, and then. That was a performance. She was she, she liked to be in two places at once. You know, Kirsten. Um, she 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 she'd arranged to go to Dartmouth Naval College, but the week before, her brother was taking her skiing, so she went off with two suitcases. One of them was left in the left luggage office in London, until she came back from skiing, and then, um, she picked up the other suitcase, went off to Dartmouth. And her brother bought, brought her bag of holiday clothes home with him. So while they were away, um, I'd, I'd managed to recover a bit from this. Uh, you know, I could move about a bit. And I was downstairs and all of a sudden there's this terrible banging on the door. And we had a, a porch which was all glass, quite large at the front of the house. And I looked through the window and this man was leaning on the on the glass and his face was pressed up to the glass. Terrified me. And he's banging and banging and banging on the door. Well, I knew that the back door was open. Uh, it had been left unlocked, you know, so someone could get in and out. And I was terrified because I couldn't get through quick enough to close it. So I rang the police and I rang the local police station and the sergeant came out. He was there in 10 minutes. It was wonderful, really. And by the time he came, this man had disappeared. So, of course, I managed to get to the front door and I was terrified. And I said, I told him about this man banging on the door. And I said, I think he may have gone in, round the back into the garden. So he went to have a look and he said, no, he's not there now, but we'll lock your back door. He said, it's all right. I know who he was. And I went, what do you mean? He said, well, it's the guy next door, you know. He's selling drugs. He was obviously wanting to buy some drugs. 
He said, he, I said, he was leaning on the glass and his face was pressed up to the glass, looking really peculiar. He said, oh, yes, he'd be, he'd be high on drugs. He'd have come to buy some more drugs. Don't worry, he said, we've got our eye on him. <laughs> so that's what was going on. So you had... I thought well, we go from, from, well, from, let's face it, a lady of the night to a drug dealer. <laughs> you know, where are we going from here? Oh, it's very and hard was, hard to top those, isn't it? Yeah. All three. But after that, of course, we moved. Uh, when Kirsten left school to go to um, to um, college, you know, for radiography, um, we moved then. We decided to get something small. It wasn't small, actually. And we moved to St. Anne's Road East. And we lived there for 12 years, quite happily. So uh, that was... That was an improvement. <laughs> but you just never know, do you? you when you move house. No. You do not know who your neighbours are going to be. That's right. And if you'd stayed in the Prezel house, you wouldn't have had you wouldn't have known, would you? You wouldn't have <laughs> no. seen your neighbours because the, the no. block was so big. It's no. uh, life in the no. birds. Happy birthday to you.